Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, welcome to the Depper Uncle Podcast, a community of like minded young adults who are all grieving a similar loss. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with inspirational people from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. In this podcast, our guests will tell their own grief story, discussing how their losses have impacted their lives and the path they have found themselves on. We laugh, we cry, but together we've come to realise that we are far from alone in our own grief journeys. That's one key thing I think grief really shook up in me was an inability to connect with things that I just didn't find important. Yeah. Hi guys, happy Tuesday and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. Now what a joy this conversation was and honestly we covered so much. So in this week's episode I had Alex Locker on the show sharing her own grief story of losing her dad very suddenly when she was 18 to then coping with the death of her mum just seven years later, leaving her without either of her parents at the age of just 25. In this episode, we talk about how grief changed her as she approached those key adult years after her dad died, and the intense, anticipatory grief she felt with the three years leading up to the loss of her mum. Alex also talks about dealing with the legalities of inheritance tax and selling her parents home with her siblings, and we discussed the lack of compassionate leave in the workplace. Alex is also the creator of the Grief Kitchen, which came to be found. Alex is also the creator of the Grief Kitchen, which can be found on Instagram and Facebook. She tells me about what led to its creation and how she aims to connect people over food, sharing the nostalgic stories behind those recipes, which I absolutely love so much. I hope you enjoy this week's episode as much as I enjoyed recording it, and you can also watch the episode on YouTube at the Dead Parent Club. The link will also be in my bio. Thank you, Alex, again for your time. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe because it helps me reach more young adults who are grieving alone. Thank you, and I hope you all have a lovely week. First of all, Alex, thank you for joining me for an episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and sit with me and tell me about your parents. I'm so excited to join in. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, if you don't mind, we can just start with you introducing yourself to our listeners, to who you are, where you're from, um, and then we'll just kind of dive into your own story. Yeah, sure. So well, my name is Alex. I run the Grief Kitchen. Um, I'm really interested in the relationships between food and grief. Um, I'm based in the Cotswolds and I am usually a chef, but obviously due to COVID, that's brought me online to try and start this kind of based grief community. Cotswolds is so beautiful. You must feel really lucky to be there. You've been there your whole life. 
Uh, I lived in London for a few years after university, but I just moved back here last year after COVID struck and it was the best timing because I bet. <laughs> so lucky to kind of go on these lovely long walks in the countryside. And when it snows, there's actually like actual snow. It's really nice. Oh, what a dream. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Mm. Um, well, obviously you're part of the Dead Parent Club, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the club that none of us want to be a part of, but we are. Yeah. Prematurely, of course. Um so could you please give our listeners an insight into who you lost and as much detail as you want um, into the circumstances behind that as well? Yeah, of course. So to give you an idea, I'm 31. Um, I lost my dad when I was 18. Um, he was in a road accident. Um, he was only 48 at the time, which as I get older now, I realise how young that really was. Um, and... Well, that was obviously an, an accident. That's, that's one type of grief. Um, and then my mum, my parents were very happily married, um, died seven years later. She had cancer for three years. And I've always felt, well, from the moment I found out about her diagnosis, I just said, this is, this is dad. This is because of dad. I think there's such a... Yeah. Um, Stress. Yeah, I think there's a real link between your mental health and your physical health. Mm. I really believe that that grief and that... Um, depth of sorrow really made her unwell and it's actually quite strange just to talk about this so kind of comfortably because I feel I'm worried but obviously this is the kind of perfect place to talk about but yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah I think it's a nice thing about being on this podcast is that like I was saying to somebody the other day how often do you actually get to speak honestly without kind of dumbing down your experience you know when you say to people oh but it's fine it was it was a while ago now or you know you kind of it's right now like you're an opportunity where you can be completely like brutally honest with like how that impacted try to protect other people's feelings as much as I always describe it as a social grenade so (laughs) you see when you use yeah, when you lose, sorry, your parents a little bit younger and your friends don't anticipate it, you're meeting people, mixing usually in a pub, obviously not during COVID. Yeah. Like, oh, is that where your parents live? Or just something really innocuous like that. And you have mm-hmm. to go, oh, well, um, well, no, actually my parents have passed away. Um, mm-hmm. That person is then kind of paralysed with this grenade that you've just thrown at them. And then it's up to you to make them feel better and go, oh, no, but it's okay. And I'm fine. It. Don't worry about it. And so it's this bizarre flip where when people sh- you would think should really be comforting you, really comforting them and trying to make sure they're all right so yeah my, my favorite thing is using the grenade then not apologizing oh, <laughs> so yeah, like I mean, making people nice. feel awkward <laughs> yeah well so I guess yeah if you meet that, that type of person who maybe um being a little bit brusque you can say well actually this is the case and yeah yeah definitely so yeah <laughs> um you obviously mentioned when before we kind of spoke and stuff I knew that your dad passed away in France which obviously must have had yeah its own difficulties in itself I can only imagine how hard that was when you were only 18 but mm-hmm. like what was that like like the difference in grief from losing your dad so suddenly mm-hmm. at 18 to then losing your mum over a longer period of time like mm-hmm. did you find yourself grieving in very different ways yeah that's a really good question um obviously when I lost my dad that was my first ever major experience of grief for someone extremely close yeah um, and when someone dies, you know, in a sudden accident, it's, you know, it's day and night. There is no anticipation of that event. Um, yeah. It's As I look back now, I've, there's a lot more numbness and some simply kind of blank spaces in my mind. I think the, the months following it, I don't really recall anymore. 
I remember, you know, some day, the main first few days, I remember the funeral, obviously, but the, you know, the following four or five months are a real blank for me. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that kind of grief is the kind of grief where you wake up in the morning and you're okay for a split second and then it hits you because you're like, oh my God, this is yeah. happened. And, and it's, it is truly unbelievable. And it just hits you like a train every morning. Mm. Um, I remember in those kind of first weeks after my dad passed away, my mum and I walking the dog together um, probably every day. And I think one of the best descriptions I remember coming from myself at that age was saying to my mum, I think it must have been a few weeks later, I feel like feel like we've been tested and haven't we passed this test now like when's he coming back like this this is you know we've we've done enough this has been hard enough yeah and be expected to keep doing this and that that I was talking about was how do I keep grieving how do I keep feeling this bad that's such a good representation of actually what it's like because you are told that like you, you just have this perception of grief that somebody dies you grieve for a bit but it gets easier but it's such a long game it is like and I bet now um, you look back at like that 18 year old girl, I bet you just want to hug her and be like, oh yeah, it's such a weird feeling trying to like looking back at that younger version of you that went through something so mm-hmm. traumatic. Like you knew it was bad at the time, but I think even as you get older, you look back at that person and you think, oh my God, that was really, really bad what I went through. Exactly. And I think, you know, we've, as, as teenagers, you think you're invincible, you think you're mm. the person on the planet but you you know you're not you're 18 and of mm. course yeah when I look back and you just go oh my god I was just a baby in the world Child. I just I'd finished school that summer and it was the October I was a complete baby yeah and then you're given these this huge life event that most of your friends you know most of your friends of course haven't experienced yeah um you're you're at that age where you actually see your pe- friends parents quite a lot you know they would be giving you lifts or they pick you up from the pub or mm. And I would be, I would always be really aware of it thinking oh, I'm meeting um, my friend's parents and they've not even lost their parents mm. being really kind and trying to sympathize with me. And I remember thinking sometimes I pick up on the fact that their parents were still alive and maybe in their eighties and just be like quite awed by that concept and be like, you're so lucky. You don't know. Yeah. And I, I'm really surprised that I'm experiencing something that, that this grown up hasn't experienced. Cause it doesn't it's be- mad, isn't it? Did you, mm. in those years, like between when you were 18 and when you're kind of in your early 20s did you like really notice a change in your behavior compared to everybody else's like your kind of attitude towards life and your perception towards certain things like I found that mm. I I felt I was a lot more mature than the people around me yeah definitely I, I, I found that for sure like when I started university um I had a year out before uni yeah um, of course and then my first day of university was the first anniversary of my dad's passing away, which oh, was really You couldn't day. write it. No, and that's the kind of, again, total social grenade. People being like, how are you? And they're like, great. <laughs> Inside, you're just crumbling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, but yeah, I think you just definitely, you learn, I think you, you don't sweat the small stuff as much, do you? So I think when mm. people around you are kind of flapping about something that just didn't matter, mm. you know, a bit hard to kind of sympathize which sounds yeah. like fair. Uh, no it's so true <laughs> yeah you know people complaining about something like oh, everyone's got their health you're fine you know yeah <laughs> shut up <laughs> yeah, just, you're gonna be fine um, yeah. um I would say yeah that's definitely the case with that and also just going back to the question you asked earlier about difference in grief between mm. dad and my mum yeah obviously with my mum having cancer and my, my dad being in an accident one thing I would reference that I've only really heard described outside of my own head in the last few years is obviously anticipatory grief when you're aware that someone's very ill 
Um, so obviously I had that with my mum and that, that was a really, really difficult experience, I would say. Obviously, mm. the, I, I remember when I became aware that my mum was unwell um, and obviously when you've already lost a parent, you you do see your parents as, or the people as actually having a mortality. You know, when you, yeah. when you experience that, it doesn't seem that tangible or real. Yeah, but I think when I found out she had cancer, I was like, oh, she really could die. Like, people die. Yeah. Uh, so that anticipatory grief, I would say, was particularly grueling. And I actually think I found it a lot harder in the lead up to her death. Um, whereas after she actually passed away, especially in the initial few months, I just went quite numb. Yeah. Um, I think it was the real fear of it leading up um, to the event, especially you know, when someone's in front of you and you can hold them and hug them and mm. hit with them. It's just, it's, I, I just describe it as a real emotional torture to know someone's that unwell. Um, mm unthinkably hard so when I think something I'm really interested in is um the legalities in time off that people get after being oh yeah because I think it should be so much higher and there should be so much more compassion in the workplace and it should be really um enforced because yeah it's awful it's absolutely awful and what annoys me is that you get businesses that um they say that people's like mental health is really important to them and they'll give them all the time off that they need but then what they don't say is we'll give you all the time off that you need but we won't pay you for that Mm -hmm. time off so then not not only are you dealing with the stress of funerals and Mm -hmm. death and just your life turning upside down Mm -hmm. you're not getting paid and it's like and then you go into work but you're not performing well so then you're stressed you're going to get fired like it is it's such a mess and I think Mm -hmm. that just goes to show how grief is not discussed in no, it's such society a taboo. at all yeah it really is um I was really lucky in where I was working they were exceptionally generous with me um but I was well aware of how lucky I was and so mm. I oh my god if I worked elsewhere I spoke to someone um for the grief kitchen recently a really lovely girl who lost her fiance um when she was about 26 and wow. she went to the NHS um, and I was so shocked that someone who works, obviously, for the NHS in a position with mm. such care and also um, such important work where you really have people's lives in your hands, you know, in yeah. at least two people's lives in your hands yeah. um, when you're working with a patient. Um, and they are given one day off when they're initially bereaved, another day off for the funeral. Yeah. And if you want any additional time off, you have to be signed off with either depression or anxiety with a proper doctor's note, which is not what grief is. It can lead to those problems, of course. Yeah that's not what it is and I and she made such an excellent point of saying I have people's lives in my hands at work and if I'm not mentally there and connected and fully focused it's dangerous mm-hmm. um and I just was really flabbergasted by that hearing that you know, any yeah it's really surprising isn't it yeah absolutely shocking mm-hmm. um talking more about that kind of anticipatory grief aspect of it I feel like that must have been kind of so much worse for you because you were also facing the reality that you were going to be in your mid-20s which Mm -hmm. is such a pinnacle time in anybody's life without Mm -hmm. either of your parents which having one parent is alien you know and not having either of them I think that must have been such a daunting thing for you to have to face ahead of you like was there anybody else in your immediate circle at all that had lost a parent or were you kind of completely kind of thrown in to the deep end of having to cope with this by yourself I have one or two, a handful, less than a handful of mm. lost a parent, you know, at similar ages. And that's always very mm. bonding. Um, mm. 
but I don't have any friends who've lost both their parents. Yeah. I'm literally, and I, I can't, I know this to be true, but I'm still like, do I? <laughs> like, yeah. Just in case. <laughs> Pretty sure I don't. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. And you're right, that is exactly, obviously on top of the, the single focus of not wanting to lose her and being heartbroken at that, it was exactly the additional fear of being, you know, I, the word orphan is a funny word, especially when you're in your mm. 20s now as an adult, of course. Mm. Um, but being without your parents in your, yeah, in your mid-20s. And I, you know, I've got younger siblings, so I was 25 and they're both, they were maybe 23 and 22, wow. I think. Mm. Um, I felt very responsible for them, I still do. <laughs> If they hear I bet, me. I bet, like a parent. <laughs> yeah, but obviously they're very concerned about their well-being as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you all know as well, with with death comes a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And um, with the death of a second person in a marriage, this is being poorly phrased, but um, there's obviously inheritance tax and oh, wow. out of the states and um, just, yeah, a lot of paperwork that you... <laughs> I'm not in the right frame of mind to be doing and can't wait. How, how did you go about that? Because I personally am yeah, very lucky that I am completely, I haven't had that experience of dealing with the paperwork side of it. My dad was very good after my mum died. He mm-hmm. kind of boxed it all off, kept it very internal, didn't really share much of the kind of legalities of it. So like, did you just rely on Google for help with that? Like, Definitely what Google. is there? <laughs> Definitely Google stuff. So my mum... Um, was very on it, I'd say, with her will. And she made my godparents um, trustees of her will. So oh, that wow. that, and you know, they were always kind of our parents' age. So it was kind of like having substitute parents who we are very close with. And um, they, were, they, they were with us in the room with lawyers often. Um, they were, it was ensured that they understood what was going on as well as us. Mm. Go into those, you know, going into a meeting and a lawyer's office where people keep referring to the deceased it just makes your head explode and you're sat there just not really taking anything in I bet my godparents there and you know they're being, being a bit more mentally switched on for that it was you know they were being informed as well um and then you know it was really just up to my brother and sister and I to we did we may actually I remember really specifically a few days before mum passed away it was obviously very evident at that stage that it was going to be imminent um the three of us sat down together and emotionally but it was actually really beautiful we kind of all just made a promise that we would never be grabby we would never argue and we would never be two against one because there's three of us yeah and we said like you know the next few months and however long it ended up being years um are going to be really hard and we're going to have a lot of very adult things to sort through um but let's just remember who's that we're on the same side um and if that was stressed you know it's really natural and it's also really natural to bicker with your siblings but you know Mm. the enemy here um so yeah, we just made an agreement to always always be um, in agreement with each other and never try to strong arm each other into something. And for example, we sold my parents' home and that's a really big decision to make. Yeah. Um, luckily, it was one that we're obviously all on board with. Um, and yeah, we just kind of, it was just baby steps and a lot of Googling. Yeah. Yeah, making sure that we are sure about things. Um, I mean, straight away, that just goes to show how you've literally grown up by about 20 years in the space of like a year of your mum passing all three of you had to like just kind of figure out what was important and figure that out like crazy Mm. grief is just a 
just just it's just not known enough how it impacts every part of your life like that yeah. and your actual personality it's crazy yeah. um so by the time obviously you're 25 and you're 30 now right so it's been mm-hmm. five years so like what mm-hmm. is it that you think has kind of helped you the most down your kind of grief journey and our living life without either of your parents over the past five years that's an interesting question um I think it's helped me the most uh two things come to mind obviously friendships and mm. food, food. <laughs> mainly cookery obviously yeah um obviously you have those particular friends when you're grieving that you really do feel that you can just completely open up to and, and without those friends oh god I don't know where I'd be so I'm very lucky to have some very strong friendships and I do sometimes feel feel for those friends because obviously they've been through it with me twice yeah so obviously friends is an obvious answer but for me personally um we're always a really foodie family and I when I well my after my passed away I went to university I studied studied art history and I worked in the art world for a few years um and I was still working there when my mum was unwell and I found that when I was grieving and once I'd gone back to work, I was just so disconnected from mm. my work. I just, just, that's one key thing that I think grief really shook up in me was an inability to connect with things that I just didn't find important. Yeah, get that. And I just, but to a point at which I'd be at work and I, I wouldn't employ me now. I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a shame because I just, I just couldn't mentally connect with them. It was yeah. really, um, you know, when you're typing away and you've got a vision in your head of, you know, some, you know, your unwell parent and, and it's going to be a flashback. You can't be at work. It doesn't work. 100%. Um, so I ended up finding that I was taking a lot of solace in cooking and that would be my kind of way of switching off and relaxing. I found that if I was, you know, my brain would still be going and I'd be distracted and I wouldn't really be watching it. Um, but I, there's something very mindful about physically getting a recipe book, reading a recipe and following mm step you know that real using your hands physical actions of okay it's, can... it's creative it's a creative yeah. outlet and I think a lot of people do go down that creative route when somebody's yeah. died like I think you see it from podcasts art writing cooking like mm-hmm. all of these things are such a huge help and I think it's it was so interesting to kind of figure out I don't know, to learn more about why that is like yeah, why we find so much solace in these things definitely well it forces you to be very present I think because mm with what you're doing you can't well I find personally I'm not dwelling on the past or the future so yeah after realizing how much I was enjoying that that's what led me to go to cookery school at the age of 29 which is I love that <laughs> um, that was in 2019 and the grief kitchen has kind of been born out of that and it's been a really natural progression which has been mm. really it's just lovely as you as obviously you found with your podcast to find that real kind of root purpose that is yeah you find so it's so worthwhile and it's so helpful to people well you said something really interesting earlier about the connection between like the mind and then you know being ill um Mm. which I'm such a huge huge believer in but I'm also a huge believer in food affecting your mind like I think it's all so connected yeah and I think like taking the time to cook real food for ourselves and nourishing yourself with not just like healthy food but food that you find real enjoyment in I think that is so good for your mind which in turn is good for your body and your overall health and I do think it's really interesting you know just with the development of the grief kitchen it's the fit around because I started following you ages ago Mm. and it was the first thing that I thought about was like there is such there really is such a huge connection between grief 
in food and sometimes that can be an unhealthy connection where we use food as our crutch um yeah i can be quite bad for binge binge eating when i'm stressed or not having a good time um but i do think there's a beautiful aspect to it as well so like i yeah i'd love to find out more about the grief kitchen kind of from you and what that means to you and how you kind of envision it planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, I mean, there's different there's different parts to it, and one one huge part of it is that the idea of recipe sharing. I mean, the reason that I initially connected food and grief was when I was I found myself cooking recipes that I really associated with my parents. Mm. My dad always made this particular mushroom risotto, and I find myself recreating it, or my mum's chicken soup, that sort of thing. And I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if people submitted recipes and other people, you know, in this community took them and cooked them? And said, you know, it could connect, you know, someone in Canada could connect with someone in France saying, oh, I made your dad pecan pie and it was delicious. I love that. And we know that it's um, John's pecan pie. You know, it, I just thought that's yeah. a way to keep things alive. I love, I love um, having recommended recipes from other people and trying new things. And I love hearing nostalgic stories behind those recipes. It, just, it strikes a chord with me. And I know that we all have them. It's, a, it's yeah. an obvious it's such an easy kind of icebreaker into people's grief, I think, especially when people who've not experienced um, grief themselves, you know, they're normally very afraid to bring it up with you. Mm. I think it goes to show that, you know, it's quite an easy icebreaker into talking about someone that's gone with someone who's grieving. Yeah. Um, so that's one key aspect is the recipe sharing, but also just um, kind of making people aware of cookery, cookery as a mindful activity, just as something to do when you really are not feeling up to doing much else. Yeah. I've definitely been there with grief where you know you're not leaving the house COVID or no COVID I wasn't leaving the house yeah <laughs> at least call it COVID but you know the days where you kind of really can't be bothered to have a shower you can't feel what's the point in anything on those days I do remember going okay I'm gonna just put on some clean pajamas and I'm gonna make this like loaf cake mm. science but I'm just gonna stand in the kitchen and do it mm. and I feel so much better for doing it and I just think it's quite a universal thing Mm, yeah 100 percent. I've I've actually found myself really leaning into that in lockdown is like I have this like craving every week to just make something like yeah. I think because we have no control over anything that's happening right now and it's the same with grief like you feel like you're you're losing control and I think like you were saying it's just the ability to just use our hands to create something mm-hmm. that is so nice to enjoy afterwards as well like I make yeah. these um cinnamon rolls and I am mm. obsessed with them like absolutely obsessed I can't think of anything better any time of day <laughs> my favorite yeah. it's so important to actually treat yourself as well like especially mm. in town 
Um, you know, when you know you can't go out, you can't treat yourself to something. So many people talk about foods that they like um, immediately with guilt, and I just think, God, like, why? Like, enjoy it. You know. Yeah. It sounds like I'm being melodramatic or trying to bring, come back to the point too much here, but genuinely, life is short. Yeah. Eat three cinnamon rolls if you really want to. <laughs> I'm not going to do it every day. <laughs> Don't eat tell me twice. <laughs> when you when you're baking something I mean baking is like dangerous because I'm li- I'm living with one other person at the moment and so mm. when you bake, it's like well we're both gonna eat half a cake yeah <laughs> so <laughs> true that is the issue isn't it yeah it's not the worst thing in the world but... obviously I'm not saying that you should binge eat cake all day <laughs> <laughs> no I think I do think what you're doing is such a beautiful concept and you know on this grief community which we're so lucky to have it's not something that I've seen anybody else doing so I think so many people are going to find kind of value and comfort in kind of making those connections that you probably wouldn't have made before um with things that you enjoy eating or like I've got this thing for um at my mum's funeral my brother made this chocolate Guinness cake and it was amazing and I'm gutted my mum never got to taste it because she was a chocolate fiend that's where I get it from like obsessed yeah. um but now for some reason every year on her anniversary I make this chocolate Guinness cake that death anniversary oh, nice. um and even though it was something that we actually had on her funeral it's something that I really relate to her um mm-hmm. and I, God, I love it it's amazing okay, I, I want that recipe as well please because that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> I'll show it it is delicious um but yeah I think I'm really kind of excited to see where that could go because I, I can imagine you doing like grief retreats that are like cooking based definitely, and I think definitely that was so the original like, original idea was um I wanted to do cookery classes mm. it's, uh, they definitely will happen mm. um but that was my initial thought is wouldn't it be great if you could do a grief-based cookery classes for people to socialize and if that was really born out of me I was living in London um you know young freshman in my 20s working away and I just didn't have any like-minded friends who've been in that situation and I used to think you know how do I meet them you need an icebreaker you can't just say mm-hmm. oh it's going to meet in the park and just talk about death, death. I mean I don't know I wouldn't personally have signed up for it I don't think so mm-hmm. I think having that icebreaker of like everyone come along we're all going to have a cocktail and we're going to make pancakes mm-hmm. work my friend um my friend actually participated in like a kind of it was like an art study when she was at uni for her friend and her friend was asking people, she was filming them and she was asking them to knead this big ball of dough. And as they were doing it, she was asking them questions and it was kind of like to show that when people are doing something with their hands and making something, they become so much more like relaxed and open and they share whenever when they're doing it. And I think yeah. like what you're doing will literally be, that like when you're kind of in the kitchen cooking around it is so much easier to talk to people isn't it yeah and, exactly yeah be perfect that initial distraction and you're just a bit less self-conscious aren't you yeah and also putting everyone in the same boat and saying look we're all beginners no one's I don't know made dim sum before let's all learn <laughs> some then it's you know you're all in the same boat yeah, um, and I would really love to do specific classes where people can join who are maybe you know in their 20s who've lost a parent and their friends or maybe someone who's lost someone to suicide or specifically someone who's lost a friend who's the same age as them which is complete I can't even imagine Mm. um there's specific different like pockets of grief I would love to facilitate those meetings yeah yeah I can't wait to see I can't wait to come (laughs) I can't wait to host I'd love it (laughs) freedom to meet people and and, um and yeah make it happen that'd be great yeah yeah and I can't think of anywhere better to do something like that than the Cotswolds either god yeah amazing yeah 
Um, okay, so one of my favorite questions to ask people because it always has a positive spin on it, which is amazing when you've been through something so awful. But what would you say, or would you say that it's changed the way that you now go about life and the way that you approach and see life? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, I think it's definitely given me a real sense of I just don't feel apologetic about wanting to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? When you hear people do this, you know, same thing with guilt around food or guilt around time taking holiday days off work, and people say, "Oh, I shouldn't." I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I will not be looking back once. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think, yeah, definitely a real sense of making the most of your life it's so short you know like I said earlier my dad was 48 mm. no age at all and he well both he and my mum but my dad was a quite um an out there character you know he was life and soul of the party mm. and I think he really you know passed it on to me and my siblings and and I just always remember him just taking a real joy in you know daily occurrences whether it was just get us all getting outside for a walk together or at the weekends him and my mum opening a bottle of champagne or a bottle of wine mm. wasn't it was the real appreciation of it and just noticing yeah. when whenever we were all on holiday together um he would really make a point of going this is really special you know that we really mm. love and he had this saying um where he would say you know I always knew when he said it, I knew he was really happy and it really like transferred onto me mm. um I always remember him saying it once we're at the top of a ski slope about skis together and he said well, it really doesn't get better than this oh, I love that yeah and I love that and it just it just made me think right okay the purpose of life is to have as many moments possible where you feel that truly in heart yeah so I just yeah I just don't feel guilty about wanting to enjoy my life I really don't yeah. gift and I think and you know after my mum being unwell I, I feel very conscious of the fact that our health and our youth is a gift and mm. it's not to be taken for granted and it's you know, youth is wasted on the young, makes me sound really old, but <laughs> you're it. really definitely not old. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's it's interesting that you say that because that's something that I think I've been really struggling with with lockdown because you have that perception of life is so short. I really want to enjoy as much as I can. I want to have the opportunity to live my life. The fact yeah. that we're unable to do that gives me more, it makes me a lot more wary the fact that I'm not being able to enjoy it you know mm-hmm. um and I do think that's something that probably grievers are more aware of than non-grievers because other mm-hmm. people think that they're immortal um yeah whereas you're very much aware that you're definitely I've got some really weird thing where I think I'm going to die before I'm 30 I think that's just death anxiety death anxiety is a real thing really well yeah and I definitely you mentioning that has just made me realize like I think my death anxiety is a good bit better actually because I <laughs> <laughs> go me um, I've definitely been in the grips of that much more in the past and it's mm. understandable isn't it um yeah it's strange because I don't, I don't sit and get kind of anxious about it but I do when I'm out and about I picture things happening that could kill me yeah. which is so I don't, I don't think I don't think it's like it's not so unhealthy in a way even though it's not healthy but like mm-hmm. I don't let it consume me but I think it's just something that I'm very mindful of I'm like that's so weird that I do that because I bet I other people don't do, do that <laughs> I do that as well, for sure. Like if a bus goes past you too quick, you're like, oh, thank God, I could have just been killed. <laughs> like a minute. <laughs> and actually, that you're reminding me of, um, I think quite soon after my mum died, within the first year, I had um, I had a bad cough. I mean, mm. a, you know, a bad cough. I had a cough. 
And I went to the doctor in London and I remember just like breaking down in tears saying, I think I've got cancer. I'm, I'm convinced mm-hmm. I had lung cancer. My mum didn't have lung cancer, it was separate. Um, but I'd convinced myself I had lung cancer. And, you know, obviously he ascertained it was just a cough and it was yeah. two weeks and I was fine. That was death anxiety. Yeah. But actually, I remember a few weeks, you know, the next time I went to the doctors, this is probably not what I meant to do, doctor leaving the room briefly. And, you know, their note, your notes are on their computer screen. Do you look? Did he say very anxious about dying? Up and I was just like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. And I could see the notes from that last visit where uh, I, you know, and he had written up um, something like, oh, patient was, I don't know if the word was hysterical. Mm. It was a little bit, I took it badly. I was like, I wasn't hysterical. I wasn't unreasonable. It's death anxiety. It was it was legitimate. <laughs> yeah, it was legitimate. But and then I kind of I saw myself through his eyes and I was like, oh gosh, did I seem not okay? <laughs> Which probably wasn't okay to be honest. But yeah, that's yeah. death anxiety. Yeah, it's it's such a thing. And I do hope that it's something that you kind of grow out of as you get older, kind mm-hmm. of in a weird way. Um but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Mm. Well. Um, I guess my last question is what advice would you give to somebody who has recently lost a parent recently lost a parent is that's I would say it sounds so cliche but I just say be so gentle and kind mm. to yourself and it's so hard to measure time but I think when it's recent every week that goes by can feel quite long and you start to think it's been a month now so I should be fine or I should be performing really well at work no you shouldn't (laughs) it would be quite strange if you were and if you are that's probably because you're numb Mm. had that as well where um I was I was all about socializing and stuff after my mum passed away because I was very conscious of not wanting people to see me as this kind of grim reaper and depressing mm-hmm. person so I was like I'm gonna be fine and I'm gonna impress everyone with how that was fine like, yeah. yeah and now I look back and I'm like oh god I was like this like Tasmanian devil of like en- chaotic hectic energy and I just needed mm-hmm. to be really gentle and kind with myself and I think the best advice I've heard before and it's actually more to do just with self-care whether whether you've been bereaved or not is to just treat yourself like a small child yeah make sure you're getting enough sleep and make sure you're getting well fed and nourish yourself. And if you want to sleep a bit later, have a lie in and don't punish yourself for it. It's just really gentle, basic. Self- Listening to your body. Oh, yeah. yeah, just completely. And I, I think that advice is really not very good because it's really hard to take. No, it's perfect. Sometimes yeah. people need that reminder as well. And I do have a lot of listeners that are all are recently bereaved. Mm. Um, I do think just being reminded sometimes that, one it's normal if you're not okay yeah no matter how far away how how far down the line you are and two to listen to yourself and to know when to just take it slow and take a breath yeah because you know I'm here talking about my dad still and you know I was 18 I'm 31 now and that's not meant to sound like some doomsday thing for people who bereave (laughs) gets a lot better and I've you know I've come a long way it's 12 years and I remember him so happily now and Mm -hmm. I think about him it's always positive and I think about him every day and I see things from him in myself and in my siblings every day that make me really happy but grief is always there of course there's always bittersweet moments you know especially when you're a bit younger you you have those significant life milestones to come that a lot of people do have their parents there for which is hard that is hard weddings are hard oh Um, don't (laughs) 
I've actually on that note my um in my friendship group one of my best friends is the first person now to become pregnant and um she was sharing like videos of her telling her mum and her telling her grandparents and stuff and I don't have any of my grandparents now and obviously I have Mm -hmm. my mum and I was just like I'm so unbelievably happy for her I'm so pleased for her but I'm so unbelievably jealous like yeah Mm -hmm. and it's just a it's such a it's just a fact of life when you're grieving yeah. isn't it like it's you can't pr- brush that jealousy aside and obviously you no. must have experienced it yourself Definitely. like your mum passing around you're 25 like 25 to like 35 is just like wedding season <laughs> baby that's season the age when you want you know that's the age when you're quite likely to be dating and in a relationship mm-hmm. advice from your parents about those and things. you become friends with your parents at that age as well yeah. right like yeah. it's not so much parent daughter relationship but you actually build a friendship and I think yeah. it's completely normal that we feel like we've been kind of robbed of a best friend that we were 100 percent. and on the subject of um friends having babies I um noticed something quite interesting when one of my very best friends is due to give birth any day now and we've had oh. family, which is very exciting um and she has obviously a lot of good friends one of them being me and one of them being another girl who also lost her mum to cancer oh, wow. And what she noticed so it was, I was there with her when she told her wider group of friends, she told us all at a big lunch. And um, and obviously she told me individually before. When she told me, I couldn't help but cry. I, I cried. But it was so significant to me because what really hit me was, oh my God, you're going to have a relationship with your child like I had with my mum. That sounds really weird mm. about myself, but like a mother-child relationship is so special. Mm. And I just, it seemed like such complete magic to me that she was going to have that. Yeah. When I was there, when she told the wider group of friends, including this other girl who'd also been bereaved, I noted that she was the only other person who cried. And and the friend noticed that. She said, I tell all my friends everyone's really happy, but it's my two friends who've lost their mums who both like cried for me with happiness when I told them. Yeah, so true. Because you you really have such an appreciation for that bond, don't you? Like, I... I am really like I, I want to have children and I am looking forward to having that bond mm. with my children yeah even if it's just to in a way it's to replace the bond that I've not got right now like and I can admit to that but also it's just because I'm so excited to feel that same level of love and to know how my mum felt when she had me yeah. like yeah. I can't wait to just know what that feels like and to know I think it's maybe it's like knowing that you were loved like I know that I was loved but I want to know how much yeah <laughs> that's really true that's really true yeah and that's going to be a lovely thing to experience I think it's mm. everyone says you can't imagine it until you experience yeah and when you do you'll go oh my god they look she loved me so much yeah <laughs> I didn't know that but to actually feel it will be really really yeah be yeah. like an incredible moment mm-hmm. um well thank you so much for your time I've done this conversation it's been really lovely me too. It's been an absolute pleasure. My favourite type of conversation. It's <laughs> grief for death you. and food. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, well, before we go, can you just let everybody know where they can find you on Instagram so that they can follow all of your kind of amazing ideas and future plans and stuff? Yes, it's just at The Grief Kitchen and I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, all my contact details on there. You can use and follow that'd be lovely perfect nice and simple fab well yeah make sure you do give alex a follow and thank you everybody for listening and thank you alex for your time again i appreciate it thank you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the dead prank club podcast i so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today 
As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 